All right, good morning, folks. All right. Hey, my name is Jonah. I'm on staff here uh, at Calvary Chapel. Thank you for being uh, with us here today. Uh, if it's your first time, thank you to our first-time visitors. We wanted to just welcome you. Thank you for taking uh, really a part of your uh, weekend and spending it with us. We really appreciate that, you guys. Um, I am very excited to share with you guys what God has laid on my heart uh, today, but we're going to get into it. But first, uh, let's just go before the Lord one more time uh, in, a, in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day when we remember those uh, who gave the ultimate sacrifice, Lord. We're reminded too, of course, of your sacrifice, Father. And we're asking now that you would speak to us, Lord. Uh, by the power of your spirit, we're praying that hearts would be opened and our ears would be listening. And we're ready and we're expectant to hear from you, Lord. That's why we've gathered here. I know there are people here maybe uh, with questions. There are those who are uh, just excited to be here, excited to learn, Lord. And so we're just asking that you would speak to us, Father. We have soft hearts. We have open hearts. We're ready and we're willing to hear from you, Lord. And so we're just, pl uh, just praying a blessing over this service right now, Father, asking you, just to do a mighty work here today, Lord. And uh, we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's a day when we honor those who have given their lives in defense of this country. Uh, it's a day when we remember the brave men and women who fought and died for our freedom. And we should honor them. We should remember them because they literally shed their blood for me and for you also that we could experience liberty. So that's what we're doing here this morning. We're just taking a moment to honor those. And I believe one of the best ways we can do that is by simply remembering them. We remember their great sacrifice, of course. We're gonna talk about uh, that a little bit more, just a second. But I wanted to be clear to you guys that uh, I have self-proclaimed that I am a Christian American, not the other way around. I'm a Christian American. It, what do I mean by that? Well. Uh, it simply means that I'm an American first and a, or a Christian first and an American second. I simply believe that that's my duty to God. He's called me to be a Christian. But I also am an American, and I'm so grateful to live in this country. I love this country. This is where I was born. Uh, these are my people, and therefore I love this country. And I've done some traveling. I've been to uh, Asia. I've been to Africa. I've lived in Europe for several years. And I mentioned those travels I, I said all that uh, really just to say that I'm very grateful to be an American. I really am. I truly am today. I know a lot of people don't really uh, feel this way. There are some that don't. But I believe that if you were born in America, you won the lottery. <laughs> That's my personal opinion. And so as we consider Memorial Day tomorrow, as we think about men and women who uh, put their lives second, they laid down their own lives, they gave up their lives for us, you know, I, I am reminded of Jesus. I can't help but think of my Savior, <laughs> the one who laid down his life for me, the ultimate sacrifice. In John chapter 15, Jesus is uh, giving the disciples some final instructions. He's got a lot on his mind. He knows that he's about to experience really the worst pain that a human can experience. He's about to be crucified and uh, flogged and nailed to a tree. He has the worst pain a human can experience really in his future but he gathers the disciples around and he tells them something really profound in John chapter 15, verse 13. He says this, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. <laughs> he says, guys, uh, 
if you want to show somebody that you love them, if you want to do that, lay down your life for them. If you want to prove your love to somebody, if you want to make it real, give up or lay down your life for somebody else. Jesus would go on to do that for them as we know. But that means that soldiers uh, who put their lives on the line and died in combat in one of the many wars that we've been a part of, Jesus would look at that soldier and say, you get it. You understand. What you did there, there's no greater love than that. You laid down your life for your friends. My question is why? What would compel somebody to lay their own life down? What would compel somebody to give their life up for another person? What would drive a soldier to do that for his country? And very simply put, I think they thought it was worth it. (laughs) They thought, I've got something here that's worth dying for. If my life is taken from me, uh, it's ripped out of my hands, it's okay. I've got something worth dying for. Life. Of course, it's the most precious thing to humans. And these soldiers used it to defend their country. So praise God for these brave men and women. We honor them today. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't be meeting here at this church. I firmly believe that. So we do. We honor those who have made that sacrifice. And we offer comfort as well, of course, to the families that are always affected by that. This morning, I wanted to just remind this of the, remind us of this beautiful truth that um, Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. He did. This is the weird part about what Jesus did, though. He didn't do it for one specific country. He didn't do it just for America or just for Israel. He didn't do it just for his people. He did it for the whole world. Weird, right? (laughs) It's a weird thing. Why would he do that? Well, it's John 3.16. You guys know the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. That means everybody. Everybody. Even the people that persecute Israel today, the people that uh, really are his enemies, the enemies of God. And Jesus would look at that person, a self-proclaimed enemy, and say, hey, you have an open invitation into my kingdom. I died for you, even you. And it's sort of weird because the truth is I can totally get behind uh, putting my life on the line for my fellow countrymen, for my neighbor, for my brother, certainly, yeah, Big time. I would do that. But would you risk your life for your enemy? I don't know. Let's start a little smaller. Maybe not risk your life. Would you uh, get them a glass of water? (laughs) Would you bring them a jacket if they're cold? Would you have them over for dinner even? You know, maybe if you're like me, I take an honest look on the inside, an evaluation, and I go, I'm not so sure I do that. (laughs) I'm not sure I would do that. But Jesus said something very, very crazy about this concept. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. He says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Love your enemies. What is that all about? Well, Jesus would prove that love when uh, later on he was being crucified and his enemies were actually surrounding him. They were spitting on him and they were gambling for his clothing. And he said this, Father, forgive them. They got no idea what they're doing. They have no idea, Lord. Forgive them. He asked for his enemies' forgiveness. (laughs) I brought up that story because I believe that there are people today, certainly in the world, but maybe even in this room right now who 
are enemies of God. They don't want anything to do with God. They're against God. Maybe uh, you got dragged to church. Uh, But there is good news for you. Jesus loves his enemies. He loved them. And maybe you're sitting in your chair and you're just wrestling. You don't know which camp you fall in. You don't know if you're on team Jesus or uh, you're not. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that before we give our lives over to God, before we make him our master, you are an enemy. It's one or the other. There's no in between. And if that is you today in your chair, I want you to know there is an open invitation. You don't have to be. There's an open invitation to be a part of God's kingdom, to be on Team Jesus today. There is for you. That's the good news. That is the great news. Bad news, you're a sinner. (laughs) Good news is that Jesus can save you. Amen? Amen. He laid down his life not only for his friends, but for his enemies as well. So in response, I mean, there's this beautiful truth. Jesus died for me and died for you. What do we do? What do we do in response? This weekend across our nation, there's going to be uh, speeches. There will be parades. There will be people that are gathered around statues, of course. I think as a nation, we're doing the right thing. We're simply trying to honor those who have uh, died serving our country. For the Christian, if you call yourself a Jesus follower today, I believe this weekend serves as a great reminder to us as well of Jesus, the greatest soldier who made the greatest sacrifice, right? But in response, what do we do? How do we honor the Lord? How do we remember him, right? Does Jesus want a uh, statue? (laughs) Does he want a parade or a speech? You know, I want to suggest to you just a couple different ways uh, that we can do it and we can honor him and remember him this Memorial Day. And the first one is this, take what is most valuable to you and give it to Jesus. Is that a tall order? (laughs) Take what is most valuable to you and give it to Jesus. What am I talking about? Well, I think it's wrapped up really well in this story. There's a woman in the Bible. Uh, She's from a small town, just a small town girl. Um, It's called Bethany, Bethany. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. And the town is really known for its fig trees, but not much else. Uh, Idaho, you know, we're known for our potatoes and I don't know what else. Bethany, this little town is known for fig trees. But this woman from Bethany, at some point, she received a gift. I imagine it was when she was a little bit younger, maybe in her teen years. I imagine it was her mother or her grandmother. And this gift was very special. It wasn't just any old gift, okay? It wasn't an old pair of socks. It was very, very expensive, and it was very, very special. I'm imagining that moment, too. Whoever it was that gave her this gift, uh, they sat her down, they grabbed her hands and said, look, I'm giving you this gift right now, but you have to understand, someday you're going to want to get married. In order to do that, you need a dowry. You need something very expensive. That's just our custom. You're going to give it to your husband. So this is what I'm about to give you is your ticket to getting married. But even if you don't get married, even if that doesn't happen, this is your inheritance. This is a, or you could use it as your retirement. Okay. From now on, this is going to be a safety net for you. It's an heirloom. It was my mother's mother. (laughs) Imagine she says very special, very expensive. And from now on, It's going to be the most expensive and the most important thing you own. Some of you guys are picking up on the story by now, but it was an alabaster jar of perfume. 
alabaster jar of perfume. Now, that might not sound like a very special gift to us today, but in that culture, it was a very precious gift. The alabaster was from Egypt, very difficult to come by, and the perfume or the fragrance inside was called spikenard. Spikenard was very hard to come by too because it, uh, you had to get it from the Himalayas, and they, you know, pretty steep, turns out, from what I've read. Hard to get that too. But it had a very distinct smell, and if you smelt it, you thought to yourself, the best perfume has just been used. And then, in turn, you thought, okay, for sure it's been used, but also you thought there is royalty nearby. There has to be a king around here somewhere, or a queen. So everyone was kind of almost on edge when they smelt it because they're looking around for royalty. This woman that I'm talking about, her name was Mary, and uh, she'd been following Jesus for some time now. This is not to be confused with uh, Jesus' mother Mary or Mary of Magdalene. This is Mary of Bethany. Uh, There was a lot of Marys in that day, just like we have a lot of Daves here at the church. So if you're a first-time visitor and your name is Dave, we actually have a Dave support group. And you can just email us and we'll put you in there. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Back to Mary. Okay. We hear about her a couple different times. Mary is awesome. Weird thing, though, about Mary is that every time she is mentioned, she is at Jesus' feet. In Luke chapter 10, this is really cool. So her sister Martha is cleaning because they have guests over her. Martha's washing the dishes and she's cooking and she's a little stressed out and she says to Jesus, Jesus, Mary's just sitting at your feet. Can you tell her to come help me? I'm doing all the work over here. And Jesus says, Martha, Mary's actually chosen the better part. <laughs> she's done the right thing. Later in John chapter 11, Mary's brother Lazarus dies and she takes her burden to the Lord. She falls at his feet and says, Lord, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. It's a really incredible story. Later on, we know that Jesus actually resurrects Lazarus from the dead. Different sermon. But the story I'm talking about in Matthew chapter 26, we see Mary once again at Jesus' feet. Matthew chapter 26. And she wants to honor the Lord. She does. She wants to honor her Savior. So she's taking the thing that is most valuable to her, her dowry, her inheritance, all of her wealth is wrapped up in this jar it's beautiful, this alabaster jar. Also, you've got to understand, too, Ziploc isn't around at this point, okay? Ziploc technology has not been in- invented. So you can't, like, break it, pour part out, and then save it. Once you break the jar, that's it. You use all of it. One and done right there. <laughs> I imagine her taking it out of that special secret place underneath the floorboard or in the closet, wherever it was, looking at it and just thinking, this is it. This is everything I have. This is anything that I have that is worth anything but it would make a perfect gift for Jesus, for my king. (laughs) So that's where we're going to pick up this story today in Matthew chapter 26. Look with me at verse 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. We're going to read here in just a second that that jar, it was actually worth 300 denarii or a year's wages, in other words. She was taking a working person's annual salary and pouring it out on Jesus. I wanted us to read it too from John's perspective in the Gospel of John. This is John chapter 12, verse 3. You don't have to turn there, but we'll put it up on the screen. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, 
anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. So not only does she anoint his head, but she anoints his feet as well. You know, that day Mary chose to take the thing most precious to her and give it to Jesus. I want to suggest to you this morning that if you are somebody who wants to honor the Lord and remember him, you and me can do the same thing. We can take those things that are most valuable to us, give them over to Jesus. <laughs> we can give it right into Jesus' hands. You can take your gift and give it to him and say, Lord, it's yours. It's not mine anymore. But practically, what, am I, what do I mean? What am I talking about? How would I do that practically? How do I do this for real? Well, I want to encourage you. I believe that every person in this room does have a gift. You have a talent, something you're good at. might not be a physical gift like an alabaster jar we're talking about here, but you can use it for God's glory. You can do it no matter what it is. That's how you can honor the Lord. Uh, you guys remember Tim Tebow? Any Tim Tebow fans in the house? Dude, I love Tim Tebow, okay? I had a mural of him in my garage when I was in high school. I love him. He's awesome. Anyways, Tim Tebow was a uh, professional uh, football player, and he also played football in college as well. Very talented, but that's not really what people recognize him for. He was a very outspoken uh, about his faith. You guys remember that? Whenever he got a chance to get on TV, they'd be interviewing him or whatever. He'd be talking about Jesus, and it made everyone really uncomfortable. It was awesome. And he doesn't have the best throwing mechanics or third down decision-making skills, but he was known as, and still is known as, a Jesus freak. And I love that dude because of this, okay? But in 2009, some of you might remember this game, okay? It was awesome. He was, uh, it was a, one of the most widely televised football games in college football history. But he wrote John 3.16 on his eye black. You guys remember this? 2009, okay. He wrote John 3.16 there. Well, during that game, a bunch of people were like, what the heck does John 3.16 mean? They'd never heard of it before. So they Googled it. And what, so this is what happened. That night, 94 million people Googled the verse that we just read up there, John 3, 16. 94 million people did. They didn't know what it meant. <laughs> that's using your gift to glorify God. I mean, that's a perfect example, right? You know, I think about other people, uh, Phil Wickham, uh, Lauren Daigle, Greg, you know, Greg's up there on that level with those guys. They could be using their gift to go after the world. They could be using it to get rich and famous, but they're using it to just worship the Lord. <laughs> I think that's so cool. They do it to bring glory to God. Okay, but what about you and me? Um, Lord knows I ain't Tim Tebow. I'm not Lauren Daigle either. So what do I do? I am, you know, average Joe. What could I offer the Lord? Well, that's one of my favorite parts about Jesus. Um, he wants your heart. Doesn't, doesn't need your money. He doesn't choose the most talented people either. When he came to earth and recruited the disciples, who are the people that he recruited? Did he go to the religious elite first? No. Did he go to the people with the most gold stars? No. He went to the local watering hole and said, you guys, come on in. Be my disciples. I want to be your rabbi. <laughs> uh, but what, yeah, again, for, for me and you, Man, maybe we don't have many great talents, but I always say, too, that comparison is the thief of joy. So whatever <laughs> Tim and Phil do with their gifts, you know, that's between them and the Lord. But what is that thing that you have right now sitting in your chair? What is the gift that you have? 
how can you honor the Lord with what you, with what you do? You know, in another Jesus story, the disciples run into a problem. Okay, there's these huge crowds start coming to see Jesus. There's 5,000 people, and they show up to hear him preach. Afterwards, Jesus says, <clears throat> we really ought to feed these people. I think they're hungry. Here's what happens, and uh, we're not going to throw it up on the screen, but I'll read it for you here. It's in John chapter 6. They have this problem. How are we going to feed 5,000 people? And it says this, one of his disciples, Andrew, said to him, there's a lad here, a little kid, who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? In other words, what's this going to (laughs) do? What's the use of this little Lunchable that this kid has? (laughs) What's it going to do? But, I mean, we know the story. Jesus would go on to use the little Lunchable and feed 5,000 people. You know, this story, I believe, is evidence that there is no gift to God that is too small. Nothing is too insignificant in his hands. There was nothing average about the gift that that kid gave him. What about you? What gift will you bring? It could be, and I'm talking about anything, you guys. It could be the gift of encouragement. I know there's people in this room right now with the gift of encouragement, but maybe you've just put a hold on it. Maybe you need to start encouraging people more. Maybe you've just been putting it off for a little bit, you know? could be it. Maybe you have service skills or mechanical skills that could help God's kingdom. We certainly need people to do that stuff. Maybe you have a heart for orphans or a heart for widows. Lord knows there's a great need there as well. Maybe you're just good at making breakfast burritos. We need people to make them in God's kingdom. I'm telling you right now, as a minister, we need breakfast burrito people. (laughs) Amen? Come on. Yeah, that's right. Breakfast burritos. But what is that little thing that you can do for God? It doesn't have to be huge or extravagant. In God's kingdom, I'm telling you, it's not a little thing. It's not a little thing if it's for Jesus. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. And I'm going to read the NLT version here, New Living Translation. It says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Little things. You know, I think, I think Jesus has given us something. He's given you something. I don't know what it is. That's between you and the Lord. No matter how big or how little it is, I just believe it's significant to him. But the question now becomes, what are you going to do? How are you going to use it? How am I going to use it for God's glory? wanted us to reflect on that today. And I also have to warn you guys, the minute, the second you decide to do something for the Lord, there will be opposition. (laughs) There's going to be haters. There's going to be people who are opposed to you serving God. That's what happens. This is in that same story in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read verse 8 right here. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Mary has just poured the the perfume out on Jesus. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. We know from John's gospel that the person who said that was Judas. We find out some of his motives here. He scolds Mary, puts her down for her great sacrifice. He tries to bring her down for bringing really this beautiful, precious gift to God. But I think it's true of us today. The minute you decide to use your gift for God, the same thing is going to happen to you. You need to be warned of that. There will be people that say, You're using your gift to serve the Lord? Why don't you serve yourself with that gift? Why don't you go and uh, do it for you? 
What, what about your time? What about using your time to serve the Lord? That's a big one. People aren't too crazy about that either because they think time is money. Why would you help out at the food distribution ministry on a Saturday? That's your Saturday. It's your time. Why would you do it? You're wasting it. What a waste, like the disciples said. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this, is anything wasted which is all for Jesus? It might seem as if all would be wasted which was not given to him. And I'm of the same mind. It's a waste if it isn't given to Jesus. So volunteering at the food distribution ministry on your day off, man, he's blessed by that. You honor him when we do it. And I found that when we experience a relationship with Jesus, when we're in love with him, when we want to please him, when we want to honor him, we give him the things that cost us the most. And it's not out of obligation. It's not for religion. It's because I love him. That's why I want to do it. You say, God, I want to give you the very best of me, the best parts of my day. I want them to be yours, Lord. And I want, I'm not going to give you anything less than that. You know, after Judas put Mary down for pouring the oil out on uh, Jesus's head and his feet, look what Jesus said. This is Matthew chapter 26, verse 10. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. She's done something good. In John's gospel, in, in the same story, we read that Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. He said that because he had Mary's back. He was defending her. Tells Judas to go take a hike. <laughs> but he has your back too. He has my back as well. Don't be afraid to step out in faith and do something awesome for the Lord. Don't be afraid to do it. He has your back. He's going to defend you when you are critical, when people are criticizing you for doing it. He's not going to leave you high and dry. He'll defend you. Uh, after this incredible act that Mary did, look what Jesus says. This is Matthew chapter 26, verse 13. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, whenever you hear the gospel, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. <laughs> Men have uh, tried really hard to be remembered. Some have spent their whole lives hoping that they are remembered. And I think it's part of the reason why we have people like Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan in our history books. They have dedicated their lives to legacy, to really building a kingdom that they thought was going to last forever. They thought that they would be uh, remembered, but they're often forgotten. I think it's ironic that Mary pouring a jar of perfume on Jesus it's going to be remembered throughout the ages. I just wanted to encourage us, you know, don't be afraid to give God everything. Don't be afraid to do it. It's never a waste if it's for the Lord. And if you want to be a, to leave a legacy like Mary, do what you do, your thing, your gift, your talent. Do it for the Lord. Now, you got to work out the details. <laughs> I don't know. That's between you and him, the details about that, what it is. But take your gift, give it to Jesus. Okay, I want to mention just one other way that we can honor the Lord this morning, and then we're going to be all done. And I'm really excited about this next way because it actually involves eating. And yeah, I'm into that. But at the beginning of this message, you know, I asked, how do we do it? How do we honor him? How do we do something that's pleasing to the Lord today? Does he want a parade, a statue? You know, I want to suggest to you too that he actually wants something a little bit simpler than that. Uh, he wants to share a meal with you. He wants to have you over 
for dinner. <laughs> so that's the second point. Share a meal with Jesus. He said, in order to remember me, uh, why don't you guys just eat together? Why don't you get together? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul explains this concept to us and gives us a little outline on what we would call uh, communion today. I want to read it to you, though. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, picking it up in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, he was actually eating quite a bit, more than you think. It was actually one of the biggest problems that his critics had with him. In Matthew chapter 11, they said, hey, this guy's a glutton. We see him eating all the time. When he met Zacchaeus, you guys remember this story? Zacchaeus was short and he sees him up in a tree. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your place tonight and we're doing dinner at your place. I've taken that principle from there and I invite myself over for dinner to anybody's house. It's awesome. But after Peter, remember this story? So Peter denies Jesus and he's real torn up about it, okay? Him and the disciples, the remaining ones, he says, okay, you know what, guys? Let's just go back to what we were doing. Let's go fishing. They go fishing. They were not supposed to be fishing, but they're going fishing. And they start fishing at night. They fish all night. They don't catch anything, okay? Shocker. But Jesus appears to them on the beach the next morning. And this is the first thing he says. You guys got any food? It's John chapter 21, verse 4. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then the next verse, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. Imagine Jesus going, any snacks, guys? <laughs> I'm hungry. So then Jesus, he tells them to cast the net on the right side of the boat. They were fishing on the wrong side of the boat at that point. Catch all these fish, they bring them in. And then Jesus restores Peter. He forgives him and restores him after breakfast. They have a little fish fry together. Remember that? Uh, another thing that the, the Pharisees used to say, how can you guys approve of Jesus? He eats with sinners. That was one of their accusations. Remember, he eats with sinners. We also know that once we get to heaven, there's going to be a great banquet and a great, uh, great, great feast there. Looking forward to that. Anyway, so if you want to be a Christian, you got to be down to eat, is what I'm saying, okay? But I wanted to go back to what I said earlier. What's the big deal about him eating with sinners? Well, I think it's easier to understand from uh, the Jewish perspective they would have gotten this. To them, eating was a very intimate thing, only to be done with somebody that you would call a friend. Um, and for one, their style of eating, so I'm going to do this really quick. Okay, imagine I'm laying down. I can't lay down, but laying down and uh, we're on these low tables in the shape of a U and we're laying down, we're reclined on pillows like this. I have my left hand here behind my head and that's my support. But my right hand is what I'm using to uh, stuff my face. So this is how they would do it. But this is very intimate. And I think for guys too, I would never be in this position around an enemy because my guard is down. 
You know what I mean? It's very uncomfortable. If someone is, it's somebody I don't trust, I'm not going to lay next to them. I'm not going to be reclined. Hey, that's the first thing. Second thing is that we are dipping our bread. There's a bowl of sauce in the middle, okay? Chick-fil-A sauce or whatever. And we're dipping our bread into it. And it's the same loaf, okay? That's the other tricky thing. So I take the loaf. I rip it in half. I give you your portion. You have yours. We're dipping. And now we're sharing germs with each other, okay? So to the Jew, it was like, we've just shared germs, like, you know, saliva kind of deal. We are bonded. We are linked through this meal together. That's what was going to, and Lord knows, you know, I'm a double dipper too, okay? I'm not afraid to double dip. So I'll get in there twice, you know? No shame in that. Seriously. The garden hose generation is like, yeah, we used to drink from the garden. You know, you're not afraid to double dip, you know? Very intimate though. From the same loaf of bread, that thing is sustaining both of us. So we're linked in that. We're united. I've linked myself to you. There's this bond that occurs when we eat together. So Jesus was bonding and eating with sinners. With that in mind, when they accuse him now of eating with sinners, I think it makes a little bit more sense. They're saying, this guy wants to be connected and bonded to sinful people. Aren't you glad he does? (laughs) He wants to be connected to those that are far away from him. I just want to encourage you this morning, guys. Don't be afraid to give Jesus everything. Don't be afraid to give him the thing that costs you a lot. He's going to defend you. And it's, it's not a waste. I promise you that. I've seen it in my own life. It's a waste when I don't give it to Jesus. Secondly, if you really want to remember the Lord, um, he didn't ask for a statue. He didn't ask for a parade either. He said, why don't we share a meal together? Why don't we uh, get to double dipping together, right? (laughs) We simply remember him over a meal. Remember everything he's done. I know oftentimes in that moment too, taking communion, it's a a chance for me just to say thank you. We're going to close today, but I wanted to call up the worship team. They're going to sing us one more song. And at this time, we're, we're going to do just that. We're going to remember the Lord over, the me- over a meal. We're going to take communion together. And uh, communion is a time when we do remember. We're reminded of everything that God has done for us, the great sacrifice that he has made. Uh, so if you are a Christian, if you are a Jesus follower, uh, I would encourage you to take communion with us this morning. I also wanted to mention something important along these lines too as we're talking about communion Later on in that same chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, hey guys, make sure you're not taking communion in a manner that is unworthy. And sometimes people can get tripped up by that. But Paul said this, examine yourself before you eat the bread and drink from the the cup. Do a heart check. It's a good time to examine yourself. But people can get tripped up because they think, am I worthy to take communion? Uh, Listen, none of us are worthy to do anything apart from the Lord. None of us are worthy. One of my friends prayed this morning, no one's too bad. No one's too far away from him and no one's too good for Jesus. And that's the truth. Jesus, he wants to be bonded to you. He wants to link himself to you. So take communion with us this morning. He wants to be bonded. You know, the bread, of course, symbolizes his body that was uh, broken for us and the juice symbolizes uh, the blood that was shed for us, this once and for all ultimate sacrifice. And uh, 
We normally don't do communion on the last uh, Sunday of the month, but we thought it was fitting here with Memorial Day. We're simply just remembering the Lord and remembering those who have given their lives for our country. So just thought it was was fitting. But Okay, I'm going to pray for us right now, and then the worship team, will they're going to sing one last song. And while they're singing, we're going to go up and we'll, we'll grab the, the elements if you're feeling led to take communion with us. And then... We'll uh, finish out that worship song. I'll come back up and I'll, and I'll uh, close us in prayer one last time and we'll take the elements. All right. Father, we do thank you for your great sacrifice. Lord, we remember you today. The God who loves us, the God that wants to be connected to us. We can't believe it. You know, at one time we were enemies of you, Lord. We were apart from you. We were distant. We didn't want anything to do with you, but now you've just You've brought us close to you, Lord, and there's no place that I would rather be under the shadow of your wings, Lord. Our defender, the one who has our back, no matter what, Lord. And I praise you for that truth this morning that, man, I know in my own life, I can give it all to you. I can give it all to you, Lord, and I know that you'll do something with it. In my own strength, in my own power, me trying to make it work, I found it just, well, it doesn't work. (laughs) It's an uphill battle both ways. But when I give it to you, Lord, I'm free. So I just pray right now for anybody, Lord, that has a burden, that has something they need to give over to you, Father. Just take it from them, Lord. I pray that they would be willing to give it and just say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm putting it on your shoulders. It's too heavy on mine. Pray that this morning, Lord. We give you all the glory and we sing this next song to you in Jesus' name.